Bojanak, and I come from Brunswick Hills, Ohio. All right, the lesson today is talking about leadership, and a lot of you might think, well, what does leadership have to do with me? I'm only 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, whatever. Um, so the reality is, is it, I, I believe that I'd like to really focus this direction in, in four phases of leadership, uh, and they all have to do with you. Uh, the first phase would what does society suggest leadership is. The second phase would be what does the church, the apostolic Christian church, being that that's what this camp is all about, what do their leadership suggest? Thirdly, I'd like to focus also on your parents, what your home life is, your home leadership. What does that suggest? What does that mean? And the last is I'd like to focus on you, is what do you think that your role is as a leader, if in fact it is at all. We also have to understand that when we approach these different levels, everybody has different levels of personality, temperament, um, agreeability. Some are not as agreeable, which, which we have to come to terms with this, but yet we have to understand that all four of these phases are under the auspices of God. God had looked down. He, he establishes the leadership of the world. He establishes the leadership of the church. He establishes the, leader of, the leadership of our homes. And he also establishes you as future leaders. Um, just, you know, so I'd like to really address these four leaders. But the reality is, is that when you look in yourself, you know, do you feel that you're under subjection to any? Or are you basically running your own life now? What do you think? Are you under subjection to anybody? Okay. Who? My parents Okay, your parents are in God. Good. You know, there that that's a, that, that that's the 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 optimum picture of what the Bible depicts as what we need to submit ourselves to. Scripture talks about you know, in a, in a marriage passage, but it, it's also for all of us. It says, submit yourselves one to another. It, it creates a balance. There isn't a dominance, me, Tarzan, you, Jane. But the other, it's more along the lines of let's work together and we fill different roles. Uh, my wife is not in subjection to me as I keep her under my thumb, but she has a different role than I do. My role is to bring home the bacon. Her role is to cook the bacon. And when we understand that, we get along just fine. But it's when my role is to bring home the bacon and to cook the bacon, and I'm going to watch you eat the bacon while you swallow the bacon, then all of a sudden we got a problem. Or when the one who cooks the bacon says, you're not bringing home enough bacon, we need to talk, then, you know, again, we got a problem. So when one of these are off keel, the balance is not where God had intended. Again, you have to understand that leadership is not a dominance over it is what God had instituted for each one of us. And even he who is in the highest leadership position is still in subjection to another, which is God. And, and, and one underlying scripture I want to um, sear in your minds is Apostle Paul who had written all these letters in the Bible to all these different churches that he established. And you know what? He was just a man, but you know what he said? He said, be ye followers of me, right? But did he stop? No. 
He says, be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. In other words, he says, look at me. Because when you look at me, I would hope that you would see Christ. Because I point to Christ. So that's really the uh, leadership um, direction that all types of leadership should be pointing to. Okay? Now that we got that out of the way. Um, in society, how would you describe a leader in society? Or name some leaders in society. Hands, anyone. This is, this is a, a me talk, you talk. This is a dialogue, not a monologue. This is not a sermon. This is interaction. Help me out. President Bush, he's a leader. What makes him a leader? His authority. Who gave him that authority? We did. Why did we give him that authority? We need a leader. Simply. Now, 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 is he in subjection to someone else? He's in subjection to us. Can we throw him out? Yeah. No. Help me. Uh, actually, we kind of... Well, the, the way, whether or not we went through, whether or not it, it actually goes through, sometimes is debatable because we did impeach Clinton, but he never left office uh, for, for reasons you know. So, okay, we have one is the president. Very good. Who else? Who else is a leader? The teacher. All right. Why is the teacher the leader? Why is the teacher a leader? Guiding the class. Guiding the class. Okay. Is he in subjection of someone else? The principal. And is the principal in subjection to someone else? Superintendent. Is the superintendent uh, subject to someone else? See, you see how this all just kind of keeps on going, okay? Give me another person who is uh, a leader. An elder in the church, okay? We're talking in society, but I appreciate that. No, don't need to apologize. We'll go right into that. In society, another leader in the church, uh, in, in, in society. Pardon? Bin Laden. Bin Laden. Okay. Why are we laughing? It is absolutely true. All right. Why is Bin Laden a leader? Why is he a leader? Pardon? Because he has followers. Okay. Why does he have followers? Because he's good with people. Okay. Why else? Yes. He, he's able to loudly. Loud, louder. He's able to portray his ideas in ways that other people find attractive. Interesting. But, but it is kind of comical. But he, he is a leader, right? Let me ask you a question. Would you argue the fact that would Britney Spears be a leader? <laughs> Listen, I'm not asking do you like her or not. I'm just saying, hey, we don't like Bin Laden and we talked about him. Is he a leader? We should said, yeah, okay. Let's, let, let's go on that route. What makes her a leader? Hold on. People follow her? She has a lot of fans? She has influence? I didn't hear you. Loud? If it's appropriate, louder. If it's not, don't say it. Okay. What about her dress? I mean, ever since Britney Spears came on the scene, all of a sudden you see a lot of belly buttons, and some I simply don't care to see, right? <laughs> but, but you know what? You know what? She is a leader. You know, 
Why? Because she has influence and she has followers. Now, I don't want to tell you how to dress, and you know who you are, and I'm not even going to go there. But, but let's understand one thing. Let, let's, let, let's wake up a little bit here. We are sometimes following someone whom we might not consider a leader, but that person is actually leading us, maybe in the way we dress. What would you consider, or a, how, how, how do they influence us? Let's go into that direction. These individuals that we talked about, how do they, we, we talked about that they have influence. How do they influence us? They're rich, so they influence me? Their money, okay, they can, very good. We want to be like them. In which way? Okay. We want to dress like her. They want to sing. They want to dance. Okay. Then we have copycats of Britney Spears. We have a lot of, you know, that type of that music industry now broadened it a little bit more. Okay, good. How else do they influence us? Their fame. But how, how does that influence me? I want recognition. I want you to know who I am, man. You know, so let's hook up. And then you follow me. See, it doesn't work that way, does it? Because you're going to say, hey, who are you, right? But then when, you're, when, when, when we take it a different route, a lot of it, unfortunately, is also through um, we don't even realize that we're following. And, and, and that's, that's kind of scary sometimes because we follow that we don't even know what or whom. So let me just, and, and we did talk about some of this, but, but some of them we did not really hit the nail on the head. They said about smoking for teenagers had dropped. Why? Because they said that the shows that teenagers walk, uh, that walk, watch, thank you, uh, it is not as well advertised. The, 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 the characters in those films do not smoke as much. So, so smoking amongst teens had dropped. Didn't say it extinguished. It, it had dropped. Okay? So the smoking and alcohol influence is there. They're, we're influenced by their hair, their dress, their behavior. We want to mimic that behavior. Their money. Their want to be popular. Their cars. Who knows how many Porsches Jerry Seinfeld has? Oh, no. He's got more than five. Oh, at least 30. And which year? If. I mean, since they've made them. He's got, like, in, in Manhattan. Um, I, I have a friend of mine who works in Manhattan. Uh, there has been, he's spending, I don't know, uh, several millions of dollars to have a garage built so that he can put all his Porsches in there so that when he d decides he wants to go drive one, he goes and drives one. I like Porsches simply because I like the body style not because Jerry Seinfeld has one. But there are influences on that. All right, we're also influenced by their alcohol drinking, their smoking. We're influenced by their attitude. We adapt the same attitude. Also their sexual behavior and their music. And there is influence that filters through us. Who here wants to be like Britney Spears? You're getting in touch with your feminine side. You're doing well. Uh, the, the reality is, are, are we led voluntarily? Not all the time. 
A lot of time we just simply kind of go with the program and it kind of slides right in. We see that it's in vogue, it's style. Um, interesting. I mean, uh, I, I didn't even realize that clothing uh, would dictate which race you are. Uh, I, I, I had a Fila shirt and um, I was told that, nah. So I wear it at home because I don't want tomatoes thrown at me. But the scriptural reference, and just mark this down, and when you get, get to your, back to your dorms, just read that. Romans 1, 19 to the end. That's where society will take you. Now let's take another look into the church. Okay? What are some qualities that you think would... Uh, some of the qualities of a godly leader, a godly church leader... Now, I'm sure everybody has some idea of what a godly church leader is. So help me out. What, what are some of their qualities that, that you think that they need to have? Courage. Courage. Good. Good judgment. I didn't hear that. Being prayerful. Very good. Wisdom. What else? Come on, when the elder of the church does something wrong, everybody knows about it, right? And everybody says, eh. Mental endurance. Pardon? Mental endurance. Mental endurance, okay. When people always complain to you, you need to. Okay, good. Does anybody know anything else about what a godly leader should be like? A desire to serve the Lord? A good reputation. What's involved in a good reputation? When does the reputation start? When I'm elected elder, then my reputation starts. Your reputation starts with first contact with other people. Your reputation starts when you have a first contact with other people. Remember, your reputation is quickly tainted and is very difficult to develop and to regain. Not impossible, difficult. Okay, give us some examples of who you consider to be God. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. First uh, Timothy 3. Read. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, not stricken, not stri no, no striker. No striker. Not greedy of filthy lucre. Be patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. And, and Tim, the reason why I'm here is so that you can, the mic can pick it up, not because I'm... Okay. Uh, absolutely. The, the scripture does give us the outline of, of what a godly leader needs to be. Did you raise your hand? I'm sorry. Okay. How are you influenced by them? All right, well, well, let's go back to, to who they are, okay? Who are they? We talked about their elders. Who else? Who else are godly leaders in the church? Or leaders in the church? Just elders? Ministers? Your parents? Very good. Youth group presidents? Good. Sunday school teachers? Good. Bible class teachers? Excellent. Pardon? Food committee is a leader. Why? Uh, yeah, exactly. And they determine what we eat, don't they? Absolutely. You know, we, we, we think that it's not that that position is not a leadership position. 
It is. Okay, you're absolutely, without them we'd be starving. Good, who else? The cleanup crew. Why? We're living in a pig pen, right? Sanitation, basically. Yes? I think everyone's a bit of a leader because you could, uh, you know, help someone out. Like, let's say if someone's struggling, you could lead them to the right direction. You hit the nail on the head. You're all leaders. Every one of you. And we're going to find out more specifically later on. Very good. Do you have a relationship with these leaders that we talked about? Do you have a relationship with them? Or, okay. Uh, if you if you answer if you answer yes, give me the the leader that you have a relationship with. You said yes. Yeah, if in like I say, well, in our own congregation, we have a relationship with all of them in some way. If you're a believer, you have a spiritual relationship as both believers in Christ. But in other way, if you're not a believer, you still have that interaction with them. So there's always some kind of relationship that way. Excellent, excellent. Who stays away from the leaders in the church? least you're honest you know why uh i mean it's it's important to to develop it's important to develop a relationship with the leaders in the church um because they have a responsibility okay uh give me give me some ways if i don't have a relationship with the leaders in my church help me out how can i um how can i develop that How can you develop that? How, how, help me out. How can I develop that? Well, if you're a Christian, you could uh, build a relationship on Christ, and that could be your common ground. Common ground. Very good. I think every leader should be in touch with society and have an understanding of what's happening these days. These people are not leaving because I'm a bad speaker. They're leaving because they have to uh, have some other duties. They are leaders in something else that they need to tend to. Um, so it's, it's important to be in touch so you do have common ground. Very good. Are our spiritual leaders accountable to others? They're accountable to God. Absolutely. Um, find 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. And Andrew, find uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 1. And these are just some references. And we're going to get a little bit more into because I like to cover the family and you after this. Yes, and loud because I want people to hear this. Listen, because Steven Seagal had a movie out. What was it called? Above the Law, right? No one is above the law. All right? Even, even the leadership of our churches. They are not above God, all right? They're still in subjection to someone else. Go ahead. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall receive a crown of glory, that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you submit one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. All right, they are going to give an account to the chief shepherd. So there's accountability there. Go ahead, Andrew. 1 Corinthians 11. 
be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. That's what we were talking about before. That is key. Paul says, be followers of me, even as I am of Christ. And the leadership positions in the church should also say the same. Be followers of me, even as I am of Christ. All right, let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's go into the family. Let's talk about your family. This is not a time where, th- this is more for you to look inward and not look outward and point the finger and say, my dad is not a good leader, my mom is not a good leader, I live in a floppy house and it's their fault and not mine. You have to bear responsibility for what you have. <coughs> Describe to me what, what qualities would a spiritual father have? What qualities? Discipline out of love. That's an interesting, what some people would call an oxymoron, you know? Discipline, you don't love me. Out of love, you do love me. And that can be kind of Confucius when, when the father says, this hurts me more than it hurts you. you know, and I'm sure everybody heard that. Discipline out of love, good. We might, we might revisit that because of its importance, but thank you for bringing that up. Other qualities of a godly father spiritually strong. Help me out. What does that mean? What does it mean when, when, when he's spiritually strong? Um, that they would be someone that if you had questions or just confused about different things, that that would be the place that you would want to go first for direction. That would be a place where you would go first for direction. Why? Where would he go for direction? Absolutely. Good. I think every father wants to do that for their kids. I thank you for bringing that up. Uh, All right, help me out. Give me an illustration of what a provoking father is, and then give me an illustration of a non-provoking father. Because, I mean, I as a father, um, this is something, I'm not saying I'm um, successful. You know, uh, uh, I fail in m- many times, and, and I do fess up when I do fail. But but help me out. How? Give me an illustration, or if you can't come up with one, maybe the class can. An illustration of a father who's provoking his son to anger. Being supportive. Very good. Some other ways. I think just even if I know that my dad makes tries to tease me about just a lot of things. You know, and it's not usually a big deal, but I mean he may not know that it could be something I'm struggling with in my life. And I mean, I don't think he's trying to but I think that that's something that even all of us need to be careful about is teasing people about stuff because I mean behind it all that could be something that I, I agree. I mean, um, there has been instances when my children would be teasing me, and I'm serious. I'm not in a joking mood, and, and there's really no way that I can communicate that to them because obviously everybody says, I'm not kidding, and, and even when you're kidding, you, that might, you know. So you're, you're right. I think we need to be sensitive to that. Good. Other ways, yes? A father who's willing to confess his faults and weaknesses to the whole family, recognize when 
ask the whole family together. That kind of diffuses everything, doesn't it? That's like a major meltdown of, of humility. I think you spoke about that last night. I think, I think that humility really needs to portray itself. Okay. Just going on that, if, if, you, if, if I just view my father as some spiritual god in some sense, I'll, I, might, I might end up condemning myself, not reaching, attaining that level of perfection. But when I see him, he's humbling himself. I can relate to that. And, uh, he's that more approachable? Yeah, that encourages me much more. Excellent. Much more. Good. You know, I, I, my, my next question was... Um, well, actually, you know, one of my questions was, how can we help our fathers become better spiritual leaders? How can we do that? Because like you said, every father wants his, his child to be a Christian. And yet that's a decision that he cannot make for his children. But yet that's a decision his child has to make for himself. And when he sees that they're not going in that direction... There's pain involved, you know, although understanding that that's their decision that needs to be made. There, there's still some, you know, some, some emotions that we as fathers have to, have to deal with. But what are some ways that we can make our fathers be more, a, a, more, a better spiritual leader? Absolutely, that's a very good point. And, and, and when does communication begin? Does it begin when you have a problem? It begins way before that. Because when you have a problem, the last if you haven't had, and you haven't built that bridge, get, getting there is very uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Now, we also have to understand that each one of our parents, our, our fathers, the, the leaders of our homes, are, their personalities are different too. Okay, some are more introverted, some are more loud, some don't, you know, it's, there, there's other, there's various degrees of personalities that, that involve with, are, are involved with that. Who, to whom is the father responsible to? Is he, you know, he, he, he puts down these guidelines in the home and he just wants to make your life miserable, is that what it is? Okay, help me out. What, what, why are there rules or curfews or, or guidelines in the home? Why is that there? Protection. Yeah, but you know what? I'm 18. I don't need protection. They have to what? They have to what? They have to give account to God. I don't think you realize that. Actually, I like to torture my kids and say, my main priority in life is to make your life miserable. That's how I know I've succeeded. But that's not a godly, godly uh, illustration. We, as fathers, are to give an account to God. That's why we put things together to protect you, to protect you from scars that we heard in the sermon on Sunday. Sunday night. There's no reason for you to go through life with scars. I know guys who had done drugs. Their brains are fried. And 
their main response to everything is, yeah, whatever, and, and, and got to go through life with that. I mean, that's not necessary. That's a scar that simply won't go away. There is penalty for sin and the parent's responsibility to God is to have the guidelines that will not enable you to go that way because that's not what God asks of us. Very, very good. Let me ask you a question. I don't want you to answer it, but I want you to answer it within yourself. Do you pray for your dad? Specifically. Specifically. Not, Lord, I want to pray for my dad. Help him and bless him. Amen. That's not very specific, is it? Help him do what? I don't think we realize how much our parents pray for us. I'm 38 years old. My dad, 72. My dad still prays for me, and I live 2,000 miles away. I call my dad, and I talk to my dad on a weekly basis because I love my dad. We might not see eye to eye on things, and that's okay. But I love my dad, and he's been a spiritual model to me. And that's important to me. And you know what? Your dads have been spiritual models to you too. Do you see it? Do you recognize it? Do you know what it looks like? Do you see it for yourself? Now I want to ask you a question. Knowing all that, do you bear any responsibility? You live in this family. What's your part of this family? To eat, to dirty clothes, leave a mess, and to walk out? What's, what's your part? What is your part in the family? What's your responsibility in this role? Carry on, Carry on what they've taught you. But during that time that you're in there, what is your responsibility? To be seen and not heard? Do you bear any responsibility? And that we have a responsibility to be supportive of prayer and not only in prayer, but physically be obedient to them and what they say. And because whether we like it or not, it's still for our benefit. It's still for your benefit. And, and, and the reality is, is that it's, it's interesting because the home, like I said, the man brings home the bacon and the wife cooks it. You know, um, and, and it could be reverse. I'll be Mr. Mom. I, I have no problem doing that. But these are different roles. And you also have a role. You also have a responsibility. When you take out the trash, that's your contribution to the functioning of the home. When you become responsible enough to do that and to do other tasks, it is your contribution to the home. But you also have a spiritual contribution. We did talk about that. Do you really need to be subject, be un, uh, under the subjection of your parents? And why? I think we have a responsibility to learn from them because we are the like the father and mother are the leader of the home, and we got it is our responsibility to learn and follow what they do, like you were saying earlier, to obey. To it, it, yeah, so we do bear the responsibility. Um, and, and I think you did, Tim, read out of uh, 1 Timothy 5, 1. Uh, but you know what? I have, because it's important, 
I have listed, it says, you know, father's duties are number one, to teach, two, to train, three, to provide for, four, to nurture, five is also to control, right? And six is to love. You didn't read that? I'm sorry. Why don't you do that? What are we reading? First Timothy 5.1. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. Well, you know, I think I have that scriptural verse. It's the right verse, but the wrong page. That, that was toward the leadership of, of, of the church. But let's go to the duties of the father. Do me a favor and find Deuteronomy 6, 7. We'll move back. Laura, do you have a Bible with you? Can you find Proverbs 22, 6? Can you find uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 14? Can you find Ephesians 6, 14? Andrew, find Ephesians, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy 5, 8. Dave, can you find uh, 1 Timothy 3, 4? And Mark, Titus 2, 4. Okay. Now, I want to illustrate this so that you understand that when your fathers are trying to do something, again, it's not to make your life miserable, but it is for your spiritual betterment. It's for the guidelines that he has in the home because of his responsibility to God. Deuteronomy 6-7. This is to teach. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. To train. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, to train. Laura, loud. To provide for. To nurture. Ephesians 6 4. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. 1 Timothy 5 8. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infant. His responsibility to control. 1 Timothy 3 4. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. That that's important. That's that that uh, that Paul had putting putting in there. That that in in order to see what the father is all about, they look at the child, the the the, the way the children are raised, and to love. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. So the love of the children is extremely important also. Now let's move on in our last 15 minutes. What do you have to do with all of this? How old do you have to be to be a leader? You can be a leader today. Okay, and you're at what age? 17. You're 17. How can you be a leader today? Encouraging, being open, vulnerable, receptive of, of others' good. 
Some other, what other age, let me ask again, what age do you have to be to be a leader? You can start today. It yes. It doesn't really matter because the Bible defines a leader as the servant of all, a servant. So. so there is no age. If you can serve others, there's no age. Excellent. So how many of us are leaders? You're, you're all leaders to some degree. You, you don't even realize sometimes. I mean, when you look at your pattern of lifestyle, how that might work, you can see that you also are a leader. Now, this is a, a question that sometimes genders a lot of strife, and this is the last one that I have. Does your gender enhance or limit your opportunity for leadership? Okay. What happens if a leader wants to take over a position that they think that that's what they want to do? Right. It, it is kind of general. I kind of did that on, uh, on purpose because I, I don't want to get myself in a jam. <laughs> okay. Let's let 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 let's address the issue. Um, suppose Sarah wants to preach. What do we say to Sarah? You are Sarah, right? Yeah. Suppose you want to preach. What, what, do we, what do we tell Sarah? Depends on which situation you're in. Okay. For, a preach, for the preaching aspect of it, if we're talking about leadership in the church, then we go by the guidelines that God has set up in his word. Okay, and what, what guidelines have God set up in his word? Yeah, not <laughs> and is that okay with everybody? Hold on a second. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> if there's a brother there, I think you should take care of it. <laughs> okay. Timothy, I think you're referring uh, to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Why don't you read that for me? But you know what? I, M Michael said a, a word that, that kind of intrigues me. He said, it all depends. Okay, Michael says depends. All right, let, 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 let Andrew read. 1 Timothy 2. 13 and 14. Help me out, Michael. Michael said the word, that all depends. Let me sweat the people. Well, you, the, the example you gave was preaching. Um, there's other ways. Like, you think of uh, CLM. Okay. Mary Gibson and CLM. Okay. For those who don't know Mary Gibson at CLM, what are her responsibilities? What is she doing? She runs the orphanage. She runs an orphanage where? In Brazil, okay. And are they boys? Are they girls? Are they mixed? What? It, originally, I believe it was a girls' orphanage, but now it's now it's just an orphanage for um, homeless kids. Okay. Um, and in aspects like that, she ministers to the children spiritually, physically, and in all all different aspects. So, in that case, yeah, I, I would say that she's definitely a leader there. Okay. Um, so her gender doesn't limit her opportunity for leadership. No. And in that case, there are there are brothers down there, but serving in different capacities. Oh, in well, a different so. capacity. We talked about all right, and and that that's the important part yeah. is in which what's the capacity, and and it all depends. Okay, did you find that, Andrew? Yeah. Are you finding what, something else? Yeah. What verse can I start with? <laughs> yeah. I mean, just thirteen. And, well, what do you what do you feel led to read? I'll start with eleven. Okay. <laughs> Let the Hold on a second. Yeah. Tell the class where you are. Oh, 
First Timothy 2.11. 1 Timothy 2.11. Are we there? Hold on a sec. Give people a re an opportunity to, to find that. <laughs> Okay, are we there? Go ahead. And, I, and I'm here for the mic. Go ahead. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Why is that not a popular concept? That idea is not popular. Why? Everybody's No. Well, society teaches us. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's right. I I have difficulty maybe when um, well it it would be difficult for a man to nurture a little baby because. The instincts are not there that God had created. Yes, hold on a sec. You said? Tim? Someone I said we're all equal. The, the society tells we're all equal. In that we can. Or does yeah, the Bible like say? Basically what he said. I think he's talking about the world. We can do everything that we can do. Right. Of, okay. Good. Andrew? Um, this is the verse I was thinking of. Okay. First Corinthians fourteen thirty-four. Now wait so people can find it. First Corinthians Fourteen thirty-four. Fourteen, verse thirty-four. First Corinthians fourteen, verse thirty-four. Read it, Andrew. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Okay. We're quick. Go ahead. I just want to stress that we need to take these verses in context with the church that Paul is writing to. In the Corinthian church, he might be addressing the issue that there's like crazy woman preachers in there or something like that. Because a lot of times, um, especially in the Corinthians, uh, Paul might use sarcasm, these other things. And we can't take everything to the exact literal thing. Like Jesus is the door. He's not literally a door. Mm -hmm. Figures of speech, different ways of communication, we need to take the context of the and and I agree with the I actually I agree with both comments that were made. What we have to understand is when the Bible talks about a woman is not to speak in the church, the principle, the spiritual principle that Paul is relating to is the fact that the scripture said not to usurp the authority, not to go over the authority of the man, and he gave a reason. And when we use that principle that the that 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 was given to us, Therefore, that is why we have male preachers and we don't have female preachers, because that's what the scripture teaches us. So when we reflect back upon our own gender, you know, we don't, just because males have a more dominant role in the church does not, does not render the female useless. Just because a woman in a marriage is supposed to submit herself to the husband does not render herself useless. If you take it in the context that that position is given to the man, God had given me as a woman another position, I'm still valuable. 
I'm still useful. And God has a purpose for me also. So as long as we understand that concept that although it's a different, it's just simply a different vocation, a different calling, we can't all be brain surgeons because who's going to pulse the couch you sit on? I will. You know, so go ahead. Uh, well, just like Christ is under authority to God. Right. And uh, women are under authority to men. It's not like, okay, God and Christ are unequal. They're the same person, but like, it's just the role that was, it's, you know. The right. role. Christ is in subjection to God. So it's not that men are better than women. It's just that the role that's given to us. Correct. Good. Are there any thoughts, any other ideas? Remember, you are a leader. You might not know where. You don't know, might know how. But one more important question to ask yourself is, is who is leading me? Who is leading me in the way I dress? Who's dictating to me in what to wear, what music to listen to? The style of clothing that I have. Who is influencing me? Is it a person or is it God? And if we have any questions as to who we're being influenced by, we, we need to look in the mirror and then look in God's Word. God's Word will teach us, ultimately, of how we need to look, how we need to dress. It gives us guidelines. It doesn't say, women, thou shalt not have sleeves. But it does tell us that women, thou shalt dress modestly. And we have to understand what modestly is. And so there, it, the, the guidelines that Scripture gives us will then therefore allow us to be more effective leaders. We all know that there are some leaders in the church sometimes that might not be as effective as others. But in everything that we would bring into captivity within our own minds, that we ourselves would be under subjection of the Bible, just as, as well as all the, leaders, all the leaders in our homes and in our churches are. I want to thank you for your participation.